Just a quick heads up, The Holy Hive Show does contain adult language that may not be suitable for sensitive listeners and children. Hello, and welcome to The Holy Hive Show. I'm Jordan Delacruz here with uh, producer Dan Lawler. Dan, how's it going? It's going pretty well. The state's falling apart. The country's on fire. But, and my fantasy team is undefeated. But, you know, business as usual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Par for the course in 2020, the year of our Lord. Let's go. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be discussing and fantasizing about different ways to make uh, the Salt Lake Valley a better place to live. Plus, we're going to go over Utah's current COVID spikes and try to counteract some of the gloom with some good news. But first, let's take, uh, take a little time to break the ice. Dan, is there anything that you've uh, experienced in the last week that you're excited about? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would word it exactly like that. So <laughs> you're um, not excited about this. Well, I'm excited. I was excited about it. Uh-huh. Now I just want to want to promote it. And, okay. and let others know that this is a positive tool for change in my life. Um, if you ever mm-hmm. find yourself on a Friday night imbibing in in far too many drinks, you know, just okay. have, have a lot of drinks. Yeah, and then. You wake up the next morning and you, you feel really bad. Yeah. And you might you might throw up a little. You might do, you know, you might do that sort of hangover thing. And yeah. I'm here to tell you <laughs> that the Olympian on 7th East and just just below 21st South. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is, is the cure for that, I think. The, is that uh, Greek food? It's Greek food, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, I just get I breakfast there. food. But it's a good good hangover cure. It's great hangover cure. They have that coffee that like almost burns you to like to even smell it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it tastes like death, but it gives you life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it, it's almost as if it was cooked for 10 minutes too long and it's been on the burner for yeah about three days. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I didn't even have their coffee on Saturday. Uh, I just got to go. I got some, some pancakes. They were delicious. I got some bacon, some uh-huh. eggs. And I felt better by like nine p.m. It just was, like a little, a little greasy. It was a little greasy. A little greasy, yeah. yeah. I don't know if there. Are, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or if it's because I was getting to go. But they don't have my typical order there, which is the country fried steak skillet. Yeah. That, that you get, which is if there's a place with a country fried steak skillet, that's my kind of place. It's like the the the, the Villagen classic. That's my favorite thing at Villagen. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite thing at the Olympian, and it might be my favorite thing in the world. That's a great hangover cure. Just yeah. Just a nice, greasy chicken fried steak skillet. That's right. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the thing that really stuck out the most for me. Yeah. I had a couple honorable mentions when I was thinking about, like, what I really liked the past week. I found my iPod, and I've got a lot to say about that, but I won't. Um, <laughs> we, we could we could talk break down what, what an iPod's role in, is in our society in 2020. It's, it's like being – it's like having your hand held. Yeah, you know, I go to I get on Spotify and it's just the whole world is at my fingertips. Yeah. So I my it almost seems smaller. Yeah, because he, I just go to the same three or four artists. Whereas mm-hmm. I put my iPod all just shuffle all songs. It's just hits. Yeah, it's hit like wow, yeah. I forgot about this Usher song. Wow, yeah. I forgot I had the Glee soundtrack on here. <laughs> so, you know. A lot of music that you probably haven't listened to in a long time. Exactly. 
Yeah, so. I think I think with Spotify, you kind of get the paralysis by analysis type thing where yes. you're just like searching for what to listen to. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, maybe I'll go check out the Olympian, but first I should probably get really, really drunk. Yeah, right just before. get really, really <laughs> drunk first and then the next day. Uh, so something that I'm pretty excited about is this new Netflix film that came out this last week. I think it came out last Wednesday. Uh, it's called The Devil All the Time. You've heard of this, right? Yes. Did you see the trailer? I did. So when this trailer came out, I was like really excited just because of like the cast mm-hmm. looked it looked really awesome. Um, the uh, the movie The Devil All the Time is a crime thriller set in mid century West Virginia. Covers the lives of two generations of Southern American citizens as brutality and trauma shape their lives. Uh, the movie stars Tom Holland of Spider Man fame and Robert Pattinson, who I've just started to refer to both of them around my apartment as Tommy Tights and uh, Patty Cakes. I love it because <laughs> I'm a big fan of both of them. Uh, but the film is kind of bespectacled with brilliant actors uh, like Bill Skarsgård, uh, Sebastian Stan, Riley Keough, mm. Jason Clark, Mia Wasikowska, Liza Scanlon. Like, yeah. it's just stacked, stacked full yeah. of people. Yeah. Jinx. And all of them deliver like incredible performances. And when I saw the trailer for this, I was excited just, you know, because of the cast. And, you know, I like I like a crime thriller movie. It kind of felt yeah. like a, like. Who doesn't? Yeah. Like a yeah. Jeremy Saulnier type, uh-huh. like green room type movie. Yeah. Uh, so I checked it out and the plot kind of covers a lot of, because ca- it like stacked cast. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of characters and a lot of threads to tie up. And a lot of the characters don't really know each other until they bump into each other. Yeah. And I kept calling it podunk fiction. <laughs> Because it was just like a bunch of characters who don't really know each other until they have like an event, Mm -hmm. you know, that brings them together. And uh, after watching it, uh, holy shit, that movie's dark. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it's like real. It's it's extremely dark, uh, extremely brutal. Take a shower after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The the themes are kind of like between like war, religious sacrifice, sexual dysfunction. It sounds right up my alley. Honestly, (laughs) hatred and revenge. Um, and a lot of the scenes are like really hard to get through and the characters are all pretty much unlikable because okay. of the, the subject matter, but even Tommy tights, I find him so, so likable. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. I was like, when I saw, cause Tom Holland's like the perfect Peter Parker, right? Yeah. And, but it's not like a, a far cry from probably who he is in real life just because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, a young adult yeah. and probably a really charismatic guy. And so seeing him in like a Netflix rom-com would probably be just kind of right down the middle. Yes. You know? Yeah. So it's cool to see him play like this violent character with anger issues. Mm -hmm. And dude, like I got to say he brought it. That's cool. And uh, that's what kind of sparked my curiosity in this movie was like, I just want to see how Tom Holland will do. Yeah. And he delivered. And I can kind of see him like shaping a career that's kind of, like a modern Paul Newman where he's like kind of this handsome, charming guy. Oh yeah. Who always plays like these kind of, dysfunctional fucked up characters really into marinara sauce yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he's gonna have his own salad dressing company <laughs> i uh, love if it. he really continues down that path and then robert pattinson like what else I, do you need to say i think a lot of people are still sleeping on robert pattinson uh people that probably just don't take him seriously because yeah. of how he launched his career um but if you're like worried about him playing Batman or anything like that, mm-hmm. I'm almost afraid that Batman's going to restrict him too much. Like the Bruce yeah. Wayne character is just kind of a little sullen and stuff like yeah. that. Dude, him, him in this movie is like, the scenes are dark, but you're trying not to laugh because of like how hard he's going for it. Mm-hmm. Like his voice doesn't even sound like him. I have seen a clip of his, of him 
talking. Yeah, and- dude. <laughs> and it's, it's ridiculous, but it also like fits just like perfect with that character. Yeah. And so you're like, just trying to keep yourself in the movie and not just laugh at this thing mm-hmm. that he's doing. And it like, it, it does kind of, his performance is kind of like this line between like, I don't know if I hate this or if I'm addicted to it. Cause yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's just, it was, it was awesome. But that's, that's why I like Robert Pattinson. Cause he just goes for it. I'd rather him just like go for it instead of like just being, you know, kind of bland and yes. playing it safe every single time. I feel like Tom Hardy is kind of like someone who tries to go for it, but ends up doing the same thing. He like, just muffles most... his voice and talks weird and is yeah, hard yeah. to understand in every movie. That's his like typecast. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we need a character that you can't really understand, but he needs to be kind of like weirdly mm-hmm. sexy. Yeah. Oh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. And uh, so like, I think this movie really kind of like shines on its performances. Bill Skarsgård, I think, is like kind of the low key winner. Yeah, he's like way good in this. And which which Skarsgård is that? I'm sorry, he's the one he played Pennywise in it. Okay, yeah, that's, he's that. Okay, the, I think the youngest Skarsgård. All that's right. currently an actor. I like the other Skarsgård the most. Alexander Not the dad. Skarsgård. Yeah, Alexander. I think yeah. he is incredible. But yeah. you know, yeah, I think is Riley Keough on like a fast track to work with all the Skarsgårds? Is she going to be the first? Oh yeah, that's I know good. That yeah. she had worked with uh, <laughs> Alexander in the past. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I, although I don't think he sh- they they share any scenes together. Oh, all right. Yeah, but Bill Skarsgård like was another one who I was you know kind of curious about. It seems like he always kind of gets put in these villainous roles just because yeah. he's got like that face. He's got an evil look to him. Yeah, he's got kind of an evil like <laughs> Scandinavian look to him, and he did great in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in this one, he's like just kind of this PTSD riddled war vet. Mm. Um, who kind of teeters between like chaotic, angry, and boyish? Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he was. He, I thought he was incredible, and I'm really excited to see what else he does. So, like, if you like these kind of crime thrillers, I would say check it out just for the for the performances. Honestly, the plot is just a little tangly and mm. drags on maybe a little long. It's almost two and a half hour long movie. Oh wow! But you like every scene's enjoyable just because everyone's bringing it. But mm. if it, if you're if you're kind of not into the whole uh, violence and, um, it kind of, it kind of explores how, uh, religion can be a safe haven for really corrupt people. Mm-hmm. And if that kind of thing, it kind of freaks you out a little bit, then maybe you shouldn't check it out, but it I think it's like worth it. It's on Netflix. It's free. Just check it out. There's yeah, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really good. So that's, uh, the devil all the time right now on Netflix. All right. So time for a brand new segment. Um, as we make our way through the pandemic, we thought it might be good to have a short weekly check-in with Utah's COVID-19 numbers and the outlook, uh, for normalcy for our state. Yeah. So here with the COVID corner update, Dan, Dan, is Utah down with the sickness? Utah is incredibly down with the sickness and up with the COVID cases. What's going on? Well, all right. So Utah's Mm -hmm. numbers have spiked in the last one to 1.5 weeks, setting new Mm -hmm. highs for the state in consecutive days. We're seeing regular four digit number days now. Um, today, Monday, September 21st, we did go back down to around 600. That's very strange to me. Uh, Utah <laughs> County is making up around 40% of the new caseload in terms of the, the cases, despite having only 20% of the state's population. Uh, mm. Utah, Utah County is currently trying to problem solve this issue and they're offering everything from food coupons <laughs> to a mask mandate. Uh, just if I could really quickly just quote a tweet from Ben Winslow, who is a great reporter for Fox 13. You could follow him on Twitter at Ben Winslow. Uh, Mayor Brunts wants to, quote unquote, 
run a positive campaign that maybe offers $10 takeout coupons for students who maybe don't attend party or wear masks. I think you'd start to see a change in behavior instead of beating them over the head. So <laughs> pizza par- pizza parties for everybody who behaves, I guess. That's how Utah County's yeah, handling it. Yeah, Utah <laughs> County's handling it like a fucking third grader, <laughs> third grade teacher. Um, let's see. Utah County Sheriff in this same commission meeting says that he wouldn't have his deputies enforcing a mask mandate, citing it as a health issue and not a law enforcement issue. And this is kind of fucked up to me as lives are on the line. I mean, there are yeah. quite a few things that not, not even talking cop shit, but yeah. like quite a few things that are very victimless Yeah, that cops bug people for. Maybe we could bug <laughs> some people for true victim yeah. things. Going back to the public exposure analogy with, you know, masks and pants. Yes. I feel like if I, I'm going to, I'm going to go out in public naked and if a cop tries to stop me, I'd be like, this isn't a law enforcement issue. It's a health. Yeah. This is, this is a health issue, not a law enforcement issue. And then finally, uh, Chris Peterson, the democratic nominee for Utah, for Utah governor released a statement, uh, calling for governor Herbert to remove Lieutenant governor Spencer Cox from the COVID-19 task force, citing his, uh, I guess his qualifications as the main concern there or and just like thereof. outward fence sitting yes on the whole issue yeah you know it's an election season he's trying to mm-hmm. play nice with both sides but it's a pandemic <laughs> yeah i understand that like look you're in utah bud like you don't have to fence sit people are going to vote for you you're the republican nominee for governor you're going to get votes yeah. Um, just go ahead and do what you feel is best, you know, or get off of the committee. I think that Chris Peterson has a good point here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care if he's on the committee either way, but I do think the points are, are absolutely valid, yeah. but I just wanted to do a little COVID corner instead of making it a, a super active part of the show. We'll just yeah. try and get it out of the way at the beginning. Yeah. For sure, because so it's going to come up in one way or another every week. Yeah, I think so too. And I think to just add to the things that you said, I think the our local leaders' lack of action is kind of getting baffling Yeah, to the point of where I think as we get closer to election, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if one of the leaders came out and was like, they just went all in and they were like, you know what? Contracting COVID is a constitutional right. If yeah. you want to, if that's the way you want to live your life, this is America. Sure. <laughs> like, I just honestly wouldn't be surprised if they just like, came out and said that just to like secure their votes for a certain group of people. I mean, and they would kind of be validated in taking that stance because look at what's going on in Utah County. Like people mm-hmm. are, that's the vibe down there. Um, and also in that Salt Lake Tribune article that we kind of uh, got all this information from, I like how they, they, they showed the, uh, the line graph of the COVID yeah. cases and how it's steadily going up, but then they put it against the color coded risk phases. Yeah. And that like, Cases have steadily been going up, and then we've had these dramatic spikes, but the, the risk phases have been le- more lenient as exactly. we've gone on, just yeah. like lower and lower. It makes absolutely no sense. It's all <laughs> it's all very backwards. Yeah. So that'll do it for uh, this week's COVID Corner. Let's get to the news. According to uh, the American Community Survey, the census puts Utah at number three in the U.S. for same-sex marriages, and number one in the U.S. for opposite-sex marriages. This comes shortly after the U.S. Census Bureau changed the way it asks citizens about their marriage in their households, shedding more light on how couples of all orientations live together. Um, So basically, out of all people, all couples living together in the same house, 
were number one in, in the country for those couples being married. Yeah. And number three in the country for all gay couples being married. Um, other interesting facts about Utah marriage. Out of Utah's a uh, hundred, or sorry, one million, 1.02 million. So I guess that would be, what is 1.02 million? Is that 1 million 20,000? Yeah. Yeah, 1 million 20,000 households. <laughs> uh, a little of over 8,400 of them belong to gay couples, which only accounts for 0.8 of the households. But that still ranks 17th uh, in the U.S. for gay households. Female same-sex marriages outnumber male by a three to two ratio. However, when it comes to non-married same-sex cohabitation, male couples outnumber female couples, which goes to show that no matter your sexual orientation, dudes have commitment issues. Uh, <laughs> these statistics seem kind of obvious for many reasons. Uh, Utah is very family-oriented, yeah. uh, mostly due to the religious roots of our communities. But as stated in the article by the Trib, uh, the right to marry is especially prized in Utah. And um, even if someone is gay, the culture they live in prom uh, promotes family and commitment to your family. So that kind of right to marry is very prized among our citizens. Yeah, that's why I wasn't too surprised by it. It's just, you yeah. know, the family-oriented nature of, yeah. of where we live. Um, you know, because I don't think it's necessarily abnormal anywhere to want to get married. But oh, it just yeah. seems like, man, the amount of people I know that got married, like, before they could buy alcohol is, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. is surprising. Yeah, so. and that's something that's actually... Pro like, a, I mean, that specifically, like marriage itself is probably not a crazy concept outside of Utah. No, but like, yeah. It is actually really crazy for people in other states to see their friends get married, like immediately out of high school yeah, and stuff like that. For sure. Um, so do you think I, I was, so after reading this, I was thinking about like our generation and so I guess we would classify as millennials, probably like in the younger millennial mm -hmm. category, thinking about millennials and like Gen Z and especially after something like COVID-19, <laughs> something mm -hmm. as traumatic as COVID-19, what like marriage would actually mean to these generations. And we could probably dig much deeper onto this, but for the sake of simplicity, what's your like marriage take in 2020? My marriage take? <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, I'm a romantic. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think marriage is cute. Okay. I like a good, I like a good party. Yeah. Mazel tov, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. It's fun. And yeah, weddings are just mad cute to me. Yeah. So Okay, so you like the kind of the pageantry of it a little bit. I like the pageantry, and I'm sure yeah. I would get down on the tax breaks of it all too. Are you good? Are you a good wedding guest? Ah, uh, ooh, I don't know. Do you dance? I will dance. Yeah, I think I'm mostly I'm just kind of a corner corner guy though. Yeah, probably kind a good like, conversation. Yeah, you know? I like to talk to people. I'll catch up. Yeah, um, you know. I'll get a little drunk. Have you given a toast at a wedding before? I've never given a toast. No, Neither that would scare the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. So I'm a child of divorce, and so is my significant other. So naturally, our view of marriage is a little different. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the superficial aspects of marriage, like, um, like m mostly the things that put pressure on people, like mm -hmm. the financial pressure and then, like, the social pressure. So, like, everything from, like, proposing and making sure you get that right. Yeah. And that kind of pressure. And then the pressure to have, like, a blowout wedding mm -hmm. and have something that's impressive just kind of, to me, is just, like, uh, like what's the point like that's this, that's much. not what it's about yeah little it's like shallow. a little much i do like a party and i do yeah. like i've been to weddings that i've had a blast mm -hmm. at. like i really i've also been to weddings that i've been like what are we doing here oh yeah me too <laughs> you know me too <laughs> and i think that mostly has you know to do with the people that are getting married for sure than the, the celebration of it but um yes yeah, so a lot of it just kind of feels like a performance to me you know yeah and i think that that's exacerbated by social media for sure yeah especially the proposal stuff and like yeah. 
just like, I don't know. It's all kind of like, oh, here are the nine pictures that my friend hid out and took of me proposing. Yeah. Here, here are the nine pictures that my friend hid out and took of her, like, showing me the dress for the first time. Like, the yeah. dress reveal photos. Yeah. The marriage photo. Like, it's all a lot. And they're yeah. all just kind of, like, desaturated a little bit and orangish, mm-hmm. reddish. That that Mormon mom photography studio style. Yeah. That I don't particularly love. And I think that's kind of reinforced by what uh, Amanda Dobbins from the ringer would call the wedding industrial complex. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, there's this whole industry uh, that, that says that your wedding is not big enough that you need to keep going to the next level that not only do you need to pay a photographer to be at the wedding, but you need to pay a photographer to go to all your bridal shopping things. And yeah, that's and to way like, too much. It's just, yeah, it's so much. And I think that like pop culture and like just, you know, general American capitalism yeah. have kind of blown out the idea of what a wedding should be. Well, have you ever seen an Indian wedding? Oh yeah, 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 so, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't have okay. it the most blown out, but yeah, yeah. That's an, <laughs> I would love to go to an Indian wedding. I would that too. would be awesome. That looks like a good time. Um, yeah. So, but like, it, I, I do think there's still like our benefits. Like, I mean, obviously there's like the, the commitment aspect of it, but again, I think if you're kind of comfortable and open and feel secure with your partner, then yeah. it's probably not that big of a deal. But again, all the fine print kind of tax incentives, um, and all the legal things that come along with getting married, visitation you know? rights in hospitals, like that's yeah. kind of, an, it is kind of insane to me that yeah. it's like, uh, you have to like prove marriage to, to like for visitation rights in a hospital yeah. situation, like man, that's weird. Yeah, they, uh, that, you know? yeah, it, yeah. So like, there are those benefits, but then again, some of those benefits are like, why is this tied up in marriage? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess um, Utah will continue to be the marriage state. It's kind of funny. What were the uh, the number one and number two f- for the game for gay marriage? Were Montana was number two and North Dakota was number one. What's up with that? <laughs> I wonder if it's almost like a. I mean, I don't want to put words into anyone's mouths, but like we live in these three states are pretty right leaning states. Yeah. Incredibly right leaning states where uh-huh. that sort of lifestyle is, is probably a bit harder to it's almost like this was hard to get. Let's get yeah, married. Yeah, you know it's like I mean? it's a like, prized thing. Yeah. It's almost as if like, well shit, they might take this away. Let's get married. Hurry. I but I don't know. Yeah, it is. I was very I was super surprised by the North Dakota thing. Mm-hmm. Not so much by Utah. Honestly, the Utah yeah. thing didn't surprise me that much. With no, the yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. No, with yeah. the whole uh, gay marriage. But uh, that's funny because like same sex marriage. So like Montana and North Dakota. Right next to each other mm-hmm. in this, this kind of like vast open area of northern United, United States. And then so that's that's the we're talking about the gay marriage statistic where we come in at number three. We come in at number one in opposite sex marriage yeah and then the other two behind us are alabama and mississippi yeah very strange (laughs) and i guess it's maybe just it's tied to the religious thing probably i guess i don't know maybe the The double b dude the bible belt yeah so you know again reinforces how friggin' weird utah is but (laughs) anyway uh let's move on so we have another new segment we're just busting out new segments left and right during this episode um we're, we're going to focus on some uh, more pos- positive stories floating around uh, Utah. So this is Good News Can't Lose. Good News Can't Lose. We need a, we need a drop for that. Good News <laughs> Can't Lose. You could just improvise a drop <laughs> every time. <laughs> we don't need to make we don't, a music th- thing out of it or anything. Um, 
Okay, so the first good news story, it turns out that uh, one man's life-crippling year of pandemonium and social unrest is actually another good boy saving grace. That's right. <laughs> Nuzzles & Co., an award-winning pet adoption agency in Summit County, has reported that pet adoptions are up 40% since the pandemic hit Utah. Executive Director Lindsay Ortega gave a statement to Deseret News saying, We're not thankful for the pandemic. We hate to see anyone suffer, but we're so grateful that the community has opened their arms and their hearts and their homes to animals in need. It's amazing. Until March, it was difficult to place this amount of pets into homes, and now adopters are coming out of the woodwork. Nuzzles & Co. Have, has also found success in their pet pantry program where they use a van to distribute pet food and supplies to people struggling financially with this year's pandemic. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah. Never even heard of this place. Nuzzles & Co.? Nuzzles & Co. Yeah, I think, I, I think I've heard of it, but the one that, I, that always seems to come through the news is the Best Friends Animal yeah, Shelter. Yeah, Best Friends is the one that, I, that I'm quite familiar with. Yeah. But um, I specifically love the, the, the pop-up pet pantry. Yeah. It's fun to say. Yeah, pop up pit. It helps people out a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, helps animals out too. Animals and people alike. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope that doesn't lead to. Damn it, no, Dan. It's good news corner. Yeah, uh, I mean, I hope it doesn't lead to like more pet abandonment. Yeah, pet, pet abandonment. But yeah. you know, that's fantastic. We're gonna take, we're gonna we're gonna stick with the good today. Everybody needs something to cuddle up on. You know, I, yeah. if if I did not have a little soldier cat next to me named Luffy when I was working, like. Every once in a while, you just got to pick that little furry boy up and yeah. give him a hug, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know what I would do just all yeah. day alone. It's boring. Uh -huh. Yeah, so. and I'm a lover of all animals, though I don't own any, which really sucks. Uh, my s significant other is allergic to almost anything with fur. Um, and I'm currently pretty desperate to have some kind <laughs> of... And I, and I think it's you know, it just has been exacerbated by this whole pandemic, but I just, like, really, really want... Like I, I to the point I was to the point where I'm like okay we could get a bearded dragon yeah in a little tank that can like run around the house and it won't make you sneeze she's like, allergic to high that. power bills yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly um so and, and actually it's funny on Saturday we went rock climbing and then afterwards we went with her brother to his house to meet his new cat oh yeah so he got this new little little kitten that's cute as hell yeah and even though she's like allergic to him she's like petting him and loving on him. And then she's like dragging her feet out of the house. Like when we left, she's like, I want a cat so bad. Cats are cute. So it's uh, it's really awesome to see that our local uh, pet sh pet shelters are finding success in the face of this awful year. Um, also, I can't help but think, it's just like a weird thought that I, I had when I was reading this. The work from home revolution, I think, is going to be good for pets too, as well as humans. I think so. Yeah. But also at the same time, bad for pets. How come? Attachment. So like yeah. now, so like speaking to some of the people that I know that have pets, mm -hmm. like they're constantly home now. So yeah. when they do leave, it's like out. the end of the fucking world for their dogs. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, so I think it's definitely good, but also, you know, makes them a bit weaker. That's a good point. I guess that all, that all comes through in the participation like trophies yeah. for dogs now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We're coddling your dogs. These snowflake dogs. Um, all right, so our next good news story. Um, local homeless relief advocate Pamela Atkinson cut the ribbon this week on her new project, a five-story facility that will act as an apartment complex for Utah's homeless, with an emphasis on treatment for those suffering from disabilities. Pamela's Place Apartments consists of 100 units and will provide indefinite shelter to Salt Lake City's homeless population. While indefinite means residents won't live there forever, it does mean that tenants won't have to worry about being ev evicted or displaced. The complex will also offer 
uh, services to residents, including counseling, mental health services, physical health services, and access to psychiatry, which is unusual for homeless facilities. Uh, in her speech at the ribbon-cutting ceremony, Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson said, We continue to be in a journey with homelessness. What we do know is that permanent supportive housing is very, very much a priority and key to the self-sufficiency and success of our homeless population. Pamela Atkinson, local hero. Local hero, for sure. Yeah, it's this is this is it's nice because it seems like we're always kind of waiting on some the government to do something about like the homeless problem. Every time, uh, if it seems like that's the key talking, and I remember this with Biskupski too when she was the mayor of yeah. uh, Salt Lake. Whenever she'd post something on Twitter that was like positive, and, and now Aaron Mendehall, anytime yeah. something positive gets posted, someone will say, "What about our homeless?" You know, yeah. and they're like putting it, but like Pamela Atkinson, someone who's just stepping up, making things happen for sure. Um, I really Absolutely. appreciate it. I think that specifically what you cited about the 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 focus the tw- for like okay so they're going to there's going to be staff on hand 24/7 if anybody like needs help you know what I mean I, but the, yeah. the focus on the mental health aspect is mm-hmm. what I found to be so kind of uplifting to me yeah um because I think that's often what is most unaddressed in you know when when we're discussing these sort of uh issues for sure is just like you know Mm-hmm. A complete lack of compassion for yeah. for what someone might be going through mentally. Yeah, it's always like they're just lazy. Yeah, or something else that's you know uh, also problematic. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just it also comes with they're just going to have on the first floor. The whole first floor is just like a clinic mm-hmm. uh, run by the Sacred Circle Healthcare, which is owned and operated by the Confederated Tribes of the Goshoot Reservation. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so it seems to be all around like a pretty great thing. And I know that yeah. they're breaking ground on another facility uh, in the middle of October, so just in like three weeks here. That's awesome. They're going to be breaking ground on another facility. I mean, it's 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 truly a stain on Salt Lake City, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah. And so I do think that as much as we can help and, you know, mm-hmm. and and – try to open places or, you know, volunteer time, volunteer do whatever, time or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it said in the article that the, the project was mostly publicly funded, mm-hmm. which again goes to show you don't need government agencies to solve everyone's problem. If you yeah. have people who work really hard, raise awareness. Zion's bank was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a couple other companies that I am failing to yeah. remember right now. Yeah. And you can align yourself with the right organizations. Like you can really, really make a difference. Yeah. And, yeah, like you said, that focus on mental health, I think, is going to be huge because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that's something that happens. It seems like most shelters are just like three hots in a cot. Yeah, and you can sign in, and then a lot of the times, like you have to leave during yeah. the day and stuff like that. And so, I think this will go a long way. And if they could, again, another thing that's probably um, not addressed as much, but is a huge problem in the homeless issue, is just drugs. Yeah, and that people look at drugs as like, well, they got to kick drugs and then they can do whatever. It's like, it's not, you don't, you don't just, especially if it's something like meth or something you know, yeah. more chemical or, or, you know, uh, just like harder drugs. Like you, you don't just kick it. Yeah. Like it's part, it's part of your genetic makeup now or your, mm-hmm. your DNA and you, you have to change your whole life and change your habits and everything like that. And then, so like having a facility like that, that can, you know, facilitate, someone getting off drugs yeah. would be a lot better than just, you know. Those are the people that need four Diet Cokes to start their day. The I know. people that are like, yeah. just, just kick <laughs> meth. Yeah, just kick meth. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. All right, that's going to do it for uh, today's episode of uh, Good News Can't Lose. Good News Can't Lose. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Uh, our last story, which ties into our feature, um, as the Utah State Prison uh, in Draper prepares for its relocation, the 700-acre piece of land that it will vacate is now a hot topic of discussion for Utah developers. The point is what developers are calling the location, nestled in, in the center of Utah's technology corridor. State Representative Lowry Snow of St. George commented, there's nothing like this in the country in terms of an opportunity going forward and maybe in the world. It's a little dramatic. I, I think thought. it's a little dramatic too. Yeah, I, th- I saw I saw another video where Spencer Cox said the same thing. He was like, this, "This is nothing like this has ever been done in the world." This very flat piece of land, you, there's yeah. nothing like it anywhere. Yeah, I just think I think what it I think they're just excited because like there's this undeveloped yeah piece of land in the middle of like, well, because it's funny because when this uh, prison was constructed. Mm-hmm. Our, we didn't have the urban sprawl that we did. No, yeah. And it so was like it was like 51 or something. So like yeah, that. Draper could have been considered out in the sticks. Exactly. You know, and yeah. now it's like where our Ikea is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that's, the, they just like, oh, we get rid of this prison. Then we have this prime piece of 700 acre yeah. land and it's in the, it's right next to the freeway and all this stuff. And they're, they're getting really excited about it. Yeah. Um, in an article for the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, Tony Semerad writes, since planning for the site started around 2015, the area has been envisioned as a high-rise urban center focused on research or as a kayak park laced with wide swaths of open spaces and trails or swarming with flying cars or even as a home to a new national football league team and stadium. So he's just kind of uh, talking about all the uh, the fantasizing that's been going on since 2015 about this space. Yeah. Um, and Jay Evanson, a columnist for Deseret News, even threw out the idea last week that a towering monument like the Eiffel Tower or Space Needle could be a cool possibility. Yeah. Can we get rid of that one in Draper that's there now? The that oh, weird the little U2 stage yeah, thing? The, yeah. that stupid spider-looking <laughs> thing that the aquarium was like, we got to get it. Dude, it, it, yeah. Was it the aquarium that said that acquired it? Like, yeah, the it's, ones it's that, a part of the aquarium now, I think. And was it just sitting in some storage after that concert? I have no idea. I don't, yeah, I, we got to look into how that came about. But right now, it just looks like a 1950s B-horror movie yeah. villain, like War of the Worlds type it's so thing. so strange. <laughs> it's really odd. Um, either way, developers are uh, of the point, the point project, are asking for input from Utah residents by completing a survey called Make Your Point, which can be filled out online at thepointutah.org. Man, point. strong marketing team there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Because it, you... it's the point of the mountain. It's the point of the mountain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you call it the point. That's a good point. I get the point. Um, so what do you think? After uh, everyone's being ambitious, everyone's throwing ideas at what this should be, what do you think we should do with the, the, the old Draper prison site? I couldn't get my mind to go anywhere else once I read that Tribune article and uh-huh. it mentioned the NFL team. Like that yeah. was, I immediately started thinking, okay, so how does how would this work? And this is what I think. <clears throat> the LA Chargers played the past two years before this year in a soccer stadium in in LA. Uh-huh. Um, that soccer stadium had the capacity uh, had capacity of twenty seven thousand people. That's how many you could how many you could fit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just for context, that's 34,000 less than the next smallest stadium in the NFL, which is to my beloved Chicago bears at soldier field mm-hmm. it's because it's a historic stadium. Yeah. Um, and so like mm-hmm. the chargers could never fill up the stands, even with that super, super small capacity. Um, and now they are tenants at the biggest NFL stadium in the country mm-hmm. in LA. Yeah. Uh, SoFi Stadium, the new one that just opened. Yeah. I just say, let's move the Chargers out here. 
we'll just move yeah. the Chargers out here. We would be able to – Utah would fill that stadium. People can say whatever they want to about Sundays and the Sabbath and all yeah. of that. People no. would go to that. I, I agree. I think people would – People fucking love Utah yeah. sports yeah. in Utah. And it's, I think it would scratch an itch that our current professional team – I mean, like, other than the Jazz, which kind of has this legacy fandom and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, like, um, I think people would just, like, die to see – not not only like an awesome like Utah NFL team, but like see other NFL people. Like if you yeah. saw Tom Brady in Utah, like yeah, you know, throwing passes, people would pay huge money to come. They see would that, go, yeah, for sure. Um, and especially right there, like we're having a lot of transplants into Utah County. I think from California, you know, so you're gonna have Chargers fans already built mm-hmm. in there. I bet. And just in terms of like that whole Sabbath thing, I think that those people are less likely to take that as seriously i just think i just think it's a great idea and we should do it here's here's a here's a pitch for the title sponsor all right the uh the the rocky mountain power stadium for the utah chargers (laughs) there you go (laughs) Um, also i have to apologize to amelia out in la for talking about sports consecutively for like three episodes oh no (laughs) i think we kind of border with the sports talk a a few episodes what was the sports talk i don't even remember it's just second nature um i think we were talking about uh pay for for college sports players yeah (laughs) sorry that's a human rights issue not a sports (laughs) issue um okay so i'm a i'm a big fan of like the idea of turning the space into something for the public okay i think we have so many commercial spaces already in uh in along you know the i-15 corridor Mm -hmm. and a lot of them now are kind of vacating because of everything like we need now we need businesses to fill those spaces that we already have yeah and also i just don't get building housing right next to the freeway like it's just we have so much space let's just build housing everywhere yeah utah way we have so much space and if we if we have something of space that's really accessible and really big like i think some type of like mega park Mm -hmm. would be awesome so i looked this up central park is 843 acres Okay. So a little bit larger than this 700 acre plot of land. Um, but Central Park has commercial benefits to it too. I, I believe there's a zoo in Central Park. Okay. Um, the, I, think so, I think that's right. Yeah. There's different things that you can do in Central Park, but for the most part, the most of the space is open to the public, you know, and it's an icon of the city. And so yeah. like having a place like that, I liked the idea that mentioned in this trip about like having like, and, and we've talked about this with the salt flats. It's like, we need a lazy river. Yeah. To the public, you know, what if we had a man-made river? Maybe it could somehow be connected to the the river systems of of, of Utah in some way. Or yeah. But if we had a public river that you could go tube at, that's just on a flat piece of like Draper land. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Um. Or you know, have a picnic, watch an outdoor movie. I mean, outdoor things are going to be a lot bigger moving forward. From yeah. Here, I think so. Having a huge cool space, you could you know, build an artificial forest throughout that whole space and driving by it on the freeway, people would notice it and be like, holy shit. Truly. So that's kind of, I know it'll probably end up being developed into some kind of like tower or it's just, yeah. Apartment complex with paper walls and going to be going to, whatever it's going to be, it's probably just going to like make pollution worse and make, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah. And then, yeah, again, if we had a park, it would probably add mm-hmm. less pollution and maybe a little more to oxygen if we planted a bunch of trees. I did. I did. I, I started the survey that they are offering at, oh, make, you did? at make your point uh-huh. um, and renewable energy like wasn't mentioned in there at all. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a bit uh, troubling, deflating, Yeah, but there is an add your option for what's important to you. So I put that. Hmm. So and part of me does wonder if they already kind of have in mind what they want to do. 
They probably do. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of playing off of the whole Draper prison development story, we wanted to take a look at some different ways that maybe we could improve um, Salt Lake City. We want to we want to flex our ambition and try mm-hmm. to imagine some ways that we could develop better public spaces in Utah. So we're going to talk about some ideas for de- urban development, split up into three categories, entertainment, recreation, and transit. Uh, so let's start with entertainment. So what do you what do you think would be a good inter- entertainment buff for Utah? Well, I mean, I just laid it out. Are you uh, going back to the Charger <laughs> Stadium? <laughs> right, just the NFL Stadium would be pretty sweet. If not that, let's get like... We don't we don't need like the Utah Film Center and Salt Lake Film Society as much as I love them to be like putting up these makeshift uh, drive-in theaters. Let's get some nicer drive-in theaters for Salt Lake. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's something that like and probably you probably wouldn't have said that a year ago. You know, no, I yeah. really would not have. I'm not actually a big fan of the the drive-in yeah. experience. But but, you know, but I think part of that too is because drive-ins came from like a mid-century kind of fad mm-hmm. type thing. You know. And the way that they were built were probably fine before we had, you know, cell phones and 12K projectors and stuff like that. And, you know, you would either roll up and I don't don't even think, I think before you tuned your radio, because at the drive-in that I grew up going to, you Mm -hmm. tuned your radio to a specific frequency and you got the movie. But I think before that, they literally had speaker boxes that you hooked onto your car mm-hmm. that you park next to and hook onto your car. And so it's all just like this very old school technology. Yes. I feel like we could make drive throughs work again. I if think we so. just beefed them up, making the screen quality good, mm-hmm. making the sound quality good. Like we could actually make them really cool. So yeah, I agree. That would be really cool. Um, the thing that I think uh, for, as far as entertainment goes, it, it seems like a lot of big cities have these really good entertainment districts where uh-huh. there's these small blocks of the city that are just like restaurants and bars yes. and venues and, ty- and, 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 and and that type of setup makes things really accessible. You can bounce around and just like acts as like a gathering spot for the community. And I think that's something that Salt Lake City is kind of missing. And I think the gateway's trying to do that right now. I think you're right. Yeah. And I, I, I really appreciate their efforts to do that, but like, I don't know if the gateway is like the right spot to do it. I think mm-hmm. like that whole facility is still a little more geared towards retail. Yeah. That it doesn't, you know, quite work. Like what's the street in Denver? 16th, 16th street. 16th street. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's like an example of play, like the, the gas lamp district in San Diego, mm-hmm. like just these really nice epicenters for like entertainment and stuff. And like, theoretically the gateway would be the perfect spot because you have the depot mm-hmm. and you have wise guys. So you got two venues that serve you got uh Vivint, you've got, Vivint. and then you've got like just the freeways right there. So like it's yeah. easy access. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. It, like in theory, it would be nice, but like mm-hmm. kind of the infrastructure is yeah. a bit, leaves you a bit wanting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think if we could somehow crack the code on an entertainment district, mm-hmm. that would be like, and again, we could re- buff up the theaters and stuff like that. And maybe, it, you know, it would be really cool to get like, um, like a, a, like a local independent film company, like the Utah Film Center, or cause I think the Utah Film Center mostly like stages their, their screenings in other theaters, like mm-hmm. Rose Wagner, I think they yeah. do a lot of their stuff out of. So like Film Society owns a theater, um, but again, it's like this little, kind of the small theater at the bottom of this skyscraper. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, so if like one of those kind of indie film organizations could have like 
this dope theater. Like yeah. if Utah Film Center could open up their own Al- Alamo draft house or something like that, like that would be super dope. But, and I've always said like state street would be a good place for that. If let's just get had, an Alamo draft house. Yeah. Maybe we should just get an Alamo <laughs> draft house. That'd be really dope. Yeah. Maybe that's, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to sum it up as that's my buff for entertainment. <laughs> just get an Alamo draft house. Th- those things are the shit. Okay. Recreation. But, so for recreation, I really like, there, I was watching a show called uh, Travel Man. It's uh, with Richard <laughs> Ayoade. I don't know if you're, uh, you know who uh, Richard Ayoade is. Yeah, he's um, the, from like the It Crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The so IT he, crowd. it's it's a hilarious, hilarious show. He just travels to places and he's kind of a curmudgeon. So like, yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. But he goes to Seville, Spain, uh, mm-hmm. with Rob Delaney in one episode. And they, oh, nice. They tour this like wooden structure basically that is like lifted above the city and you can just walk on it you can ride your bike up there like i want something like that just in the downtown area yeah just give me like a lifted structure of sorts almost as like how like new york and chicago have like their subways come out from yeah, under the ground like, and yeah. they go up above the city yeah give me something like that for biking and for walking for walking you know just because uh that just seems so fun. Yeah. You know, you can have little <laughs> pop-up shops up there. It's just like a skywalk. A little shoe shine. Yeah. Shiny shoes. Shiny shoes. So, so maybe something that like, just like from like Liberty Park to like downtown. Yeah. And, you Is know, it that big in even, Spain? No, it's not that big. Okay. But like, I think even if it went from like, if it like went along like 3rd South Main Street, a little yeah. bit of State Street, just kind of like this area where you could just kind of. Yeah. Walk around the city. Like, you almost have that sort of thing crossing the street at City Creek. Mm-hmm. Like, if that yeah. existed longer than just crossing the street, that would be so sweet in my mind. Yeah, and I actually, they're in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if I fudge the specifics about how this works, then I'm sorry. But uh, when I was there, I was there with someone who grew up in Minnesota. And they were telling me as we were walking downtown that a lot of the buildings mm-hmm. around downtown and underground have tunnels because of how cold connecting it gets? yeah because exactly because of how yeah. cold it gets so there's a lot of skyways and there's a lot of underground tunnels connecting places so you can go from place to place without ever having to go outside that's great for a place yeah. with terrible air and cold weather yeah that's actually know? perfect so yeah maybe some kind of skyway would, mm-hmm. yeah we would definitely benefit from that um so for my recreation pitch um winter sports is huge yeah but i think it's a little more geared towards either like hardcore enthusiasts or like the elite, Uh you know, like going skiing for a day is enormously expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) the amount of hours that I'd have to like work and slave over like chore. I mean, like, I mean, when you think back on your chores, it's not that hard. (laughs) Like you do that regularly now, but like like to me, I like, it took like a whole, like, like if I got a snowboarding pass, Mm -hmm. even, even if I was snowboarding during that winter, I had to start working to get my snowboarding pass for the next year just to afford it. Like it was insanely expensive. And that was like this with the student discounts and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd love to see some more like winter sports parks here that are a lot more su- accessible to people who don't subscribe to like skiing or snowboarding culture yes. on a yearly, like yearly basis. Because like winter is actually like one of the most awesome times to be outside. Mm-hmm. And it's like Utah's a great state for that. But if you live in the city, it's kind of gross and discouraging to go outside. Yeah. You know, during the winter because it's, you're just like slushy roads and stuff for like sure. that. So more accessibility for like winter activities. And it doesn't even have to be like a ski resort that's free or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like, you know, just like a park that kind of, 
embraces winter in a specific yeah. way. Snowshoeing. Uh, what is it? Ice town, like from Parks yeah. and Rec. Ice town. <laughs> ice town. Ice clown. <laughs> ice town. Reese's ice clown. Yeah, you should have the headline from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so something like that. Um, okay, this one I think probably maybe the most important. Access and transit. Mine is very not important. I mean, it's important, but like it's, it seems very small. Yeah. I want more bridge crosswalks. Okay. You know, you'll have just like any any given street, just give me like 15 feet of elevation to cross the street. Don't have to wait for the light. But more than anything, on 7th East, I wait five minutes to cross the street to get to Whole Foods yeah. by Trolley Square. And then while I'm doing that, I also have to like dodge cars that are about to smash into me because no one, yeah. because those lights are so short lived that everyone's so eager to turn as quick as they can. Yeah. So I've got people like just constantly like almost hitting me on Saturday. Yeah. I went and picked up some ramen on my way home. I watched this girl almost get hit crossing at seventh and by Liberty park. So like, mm-hmm. just give me some more, uh, give me some more some elevated, more elevated. Either yeah. that or like at the stoplight on the stoplight, like put another visual reminder to not just like speed through your turn. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy out there on 7th East. For sure. Specifically. And, and even with like the bike lanes, like they say Utah is like extreme or Salt Lake City is an extremely bike friendly city. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of see that with bikers too. Like bikers want to make lights just as much as like yeah. anyone else. And sometimes that leads to accidents. Yeah. And I agree. I, that kind of ties in with your, your elevated walkways too. It's yeah. I was like, really lazy on this list. I reused the chargers and I reused the elevated <laughs> walkways, <laughs> but I think it's a good idea. I think, uh, be, I mean, it's funny because you mentioned trolley square, like getting across seventh East to trolley square, you have to use the road, but to get from the trolley square parking lot to trolley square, they actually have an elevated ro- exactly. walkway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like more things like that would be, I think really awesome. Um, and they do, and you do kind of see that along like Bangor. Mm-hmm. Like there, and I mean, there's yeah. no way that you could have a crosswalk on Bangor. Like <laughs> no. that's insane. Um, but yeah, I agree. Some more uh, kind of bridgeways. Yeah, and it seems like something that they could pop up a little, pretty pretty easy. Pretty, but also I think pretty easily. Yes. Yeah, it seems like every year, uh, the city's growing so fast that they have to expand, like just focus on expanding roads every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. So for my my transit. Um, thing it's not necessarily like a new idea or invention it's kind of just like bettering what we have so far so i think because of like the inversion problems that we have the number one thing that we always get told every year is make sure you carpool don't Mm -hmm. drive today don't do this don't do that it's all all, always comes down to like people in their cars yeah and if we're going to be pressured into carpooling or taking public transit to help our inversion issues i think utah needs to step up and create like a public transit a, like a public transit system like no one else has ever seen. Like we should be leading the way on public transit Absolutely. In, in this valley at least. And um, I think to do that, we should expand our light rails to more cities. Like I love the little Sugar House S line because it mm-hmm. kind of punches up 21st, but can, yeah. can still get you down to the main area. So like having those little kind of connecting things and it doesn't have to be like, you know, a, a trolley car on every single street. True. But just yeah. these like tiny little connecting trolleys, like yeah. the S line. I think we need more of those that go through maybe like holiday and mill Creek and stuff like that. that even kind of, up, I think even up North too. Yeah. Into getting, Ogden, into Ogden, into Bountiful, mm-hmm. into, you know, just like if you take the front runner, like if you wanted to get to Bountiful, you, mm-hmm. it would take you so long to get to Bountiful mm-hmm. from like 
where I live downtown. Like it's yeah. just like I have to take a bus to the front runner, take a front runner to Bountiful, take yeah. the, take a bus to where I'm going in Bountiful. Like it's just yeah. like what is this? Yeah, and I think it's, we kind of have the bones of like an, a great tr- transit system, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a couple things that we could maybe beef up that would make it like insanely good. Yeah. And it would be awesome if like, cause like I used to take the bus from sugar house to downtown for work every day. Yeah. And that was like 40 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic and stuff like that. I would actually try to catch the bus early and then leave early from work just so I didn't hit the crappy bus route. Mm-hmm. Like there was a few bus times that I knew I'm like, that's going to be a 40 minute ride. That's yeah. gonna be a 40 minute ride. Um, and so um, it would be cool if like, if you lived anywhere along the Wasatch front from Ogden to Provo and you could hop on public transit and get there just as fast, if not faster than if you would have just drove, drove a car. Yeah. And, um, and also I kind of had this idea and I don't know how it would, uh, how it would work in Utah, but in, I know in Seattle that they have, they have certain roadways, um, where their department of transportation, they've like identified these roadways as like, essential to getting a workforce into to downtown and out of downtown. So it's like they see a lot of congestion there. And so they designate these roadways uh, during certain times of day for public transit only. Mm-hmm. So like during two hours before work starts or an hour before work starts, buses have priority on yeah. those. And it encourages more people to take the buses because they can actually get f- downtown fast and back and forth really fast. And I think finding out some, I mean, we might have to build more roads, but we might be able to just plan things accordingly that would work really well mm-hmm. um, like that. So finding a way that allows buses to get around a lot easier. Um, and also I was kind of thinking about this too. I don't know how this would work legally, but what if like UTA had its own kind of like rideshare program? Like like a, like a Uber? Yeah. Like yeah. what if there was Utah Uber? Not a bad idea. Yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. Like you could you could vet drivers, mm-hmm. create more jobs and stuff like that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And you like, could package it with a, with a bus yeah, pass. Yeah. Like if you had a bus pass, you can use that to pay, Yeah, f- you know, for your Uber ride. Um, it would keep the money in mm-hmm. our state. And I don't think there's any like copyright thing or anything that would stop us from doing that, you know? No. And, you know, maybe the expensive part of it is instead of having people use their own cars, you, prov- you, you know, make your own fleet of cars yeah. and you have drivers that do. So it would be, I guess, closer to a taxi cab thing. But if you kept, kept it competitive with Uber and stuff like that. I think the, the big thing with Uber is the app, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I haven't used a cab in a long time, but like every time I've used mm. a cab lately, I just, it's been in a big city where a cab's just sitting there. So I can yeah. say, hey. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> but like might, as well, might as well. The apps on Uber and Lyft are, are you know, the things that are great. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to go to here and here. Like, you don't have to, like, tell any. You don't have to talk to somebody if you don't want to. Yeah, you know? yeah. And if, you know, like, you could set it up in a way where you have an entire fleet of people driving people to work. Mm-hmm. So you now UTA is kind of leading the carpool revolution yeah. with their rideshare program. And so like that, honestly, that would be pretty cool. If I the, think that's if, a great if, idea. If the state could come up with something like that. All right. So, uh, you know, we're going to, that, that, that was our, um, our ambitious plea for uh, urban development. Um, we'll see what they do with the point. Mine was a little part. less than ambitious. But yeah. You're just like, let's get a football team here. <laughs> mine was, mine was vicious. Yours was ambitious. <laughs> Yours is just a little vicious. Yeah. Just a little vicious. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, that's going to do it for the uh, Holy Hive show today. Uh, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram. We actually, 
this is a little update for the Twitter. <laughs> so uh, the handle Holy Hive Utah got locked like two weeks after we uh, got it on Twitter mm-hmm. and hadn't been unlocked until just last week. And so we've been operating on Holy Hive UT. Now we're going to move back to Holy Hive Utah. We're just going to have our, what we're doing <laughs> now is we're laying the groundwork to just have six different handles yeah. and you follow all of them. Yeah, exactly. And you just have to guess. Yeah. No, just, really though. It's Holy Hive Utah. <laughs> yeah. So now moving forward, the Instagram and Twitter handles will match the website, Holy Hive Utah. So go check us out on those platforms and uh, make sure you're subscribing uh, to wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.